And now it's time for a letter to Hong Kong with Lam Chak Ting, legislator from the Democratic Party. The following program is a personal view program. Dear Hong Kongers, early this month, it was revealed that the former chief executive C Y Lam had refused to attend a meeting in the Legislative Council as requested by the Select Committee, tasked to investigate. His deal with the Australian firm UGL. By doing so, he has blatantly gone against the early promise he publicly made that he would fully cooperate with the investigation. To be frank, given his track record, I never had high hopes that CY would deliver on his promise. For those of you who are not Aware of the details, the allegations that arose from the deal made between CY and UGL are mainly related to suspected corruption and tax evasion. It is a suspected corruption case because the agreement gave CY, the then Asia Pacific chairman of DTZ, the entitlement of four million pounds. In exchange for his support of the acquisition of DTZ by UGL and then assistance in promoting UGL and DTZ, without the approval of other key parties like other shareholders of DTZ, it is also a suspected tax evasion case because CY has claimed that. He does not need to pay any tax that arose from the payment. Of course, as usual, he has repeatedly denied all the allegations. Nevertheless, investigations of the corruption allegations against CY are still ongoing. However, the public has never received any updates regarding the ICC investigation. On the other hand, the Legislative Council Select Committee is responsible for investigating his possible conflict of interest case. However, as the investigation has been under the control of the pro-establishment camp, progress has been slow. What shed light on the relationship CY has with the pro-establishment camp? Was the revelation that CY submitted a document through Houghton Chow, an ex-member of the Select Committee, to the committee in an attempt to limit the scope of the investigation? It is therefore unrealistic to expect that the Select Committee would invoke the power and privileges ordinance to summon CY to come to testify. Or to expect that any major breakthrough would come out from this legal investigation. As a result, early this month, I took matters into my own hands by reporting CY's suspected corruption and tax evasion to the National Crime Agency and the Revenue and Customs Department in the UK. I strongly believe that the cases fall within UK's jurisdiction, 
because CY was the then Asia Pacific chairman of the company DTZ, a real estate services company which was formally listed in the UK. During the acquisition period, CY certainly owed a fiduciary duty to the company as a director and as the Asia-Pacific chairman of DTZ. He was expected to safeguard the interests of shareholders and creditors of the UK-listed company. However, as a result of the agreement that CY signed with UGL, and by accepting four million pounds for supporting the acquisition offered by UGL, CY had put himself into a position of conflict of interest. There are also reasonable grounds to believe that the agreement was signed without the knowledge and approval of the shareholders and all the directors of DTZ. Regarding the suspected tax evasion allegation, CY has repeatedly said that he believes he has no obligation to pay any tax for the four million pounds he received under his agreement with UGL. However, by signing the agreement, CY agreed to provide services by acting as a referee and advisor from time to time to promote UGL and DTZ and support the acquisition of DTZ by UGL. In other words, CY was well paid for the professional service he provided or was to provide to UGL in relation to business conducted in the UK. Hence, there are reasonable grounds to believe that CY might have failed to pay tax as required under the tax laws of the UK. With the case relevance to the UK in mind, I personally went to the National Crime Agency of the UK with the documents I had compiled. I had a footfall meeting that lasted an hour and a half with the officers of that agency. I also met with the head of the Hong Kong desk of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and asked him to hand to the Revenue and Customs Department all the documents that I had prepared in regards to CY's suspected tax evasion. I also met with some members of Parliament to request their help to ensure that there will be proper follow-up for the investigation. Of course, I cannot foresee whether or not all these efforts would lead to a successful prosecution of CY. However, having evaluated the long details of this case, I strongly believe that there is sufficient prima facie evidence against CY. Given CY's status as the vice chairman of China's top political advisory body, local investigations against him are particularly sensitive 
and are subject to pressure from above. By making a report to authorities in the UK, I believe and I hope that pressure from the outside will have less influence on the investigations. A few days ago, I received confirmation from the head of the National Crime Agency that they are reviewing the documentation I provided and will decide whether or not the case falls within their jurisdiction. I informed them that I'm in the process of seeking legal advice from a practicing barrister in the UK to support my allegations, and that upon receipt, I would forward that advice for the agency's reference. Let us hope that this would provide sufficient reasons for them to begin a formal investigation. On a final note, by actively pursuing CY's deal with UGL, people regularly ask me whether I fear repercussions in the form of legal battles. I can say with some caution that I do not because I have been careful about the words that I have used in public. I also strongly believe that my comments have been absolutely fair and objective, and that the public deserves to know the full story. Justice should be served. My conscience will not allow me to stay silent.